Start off a little fantastic. My friend, the man, the myth, the legend, Brad, thanks for doing this. Welcome to Talking During Movies. How are you, brother? I am stoked, man. I have been really excited to watch this movie this Halloween season. And the fact that we get to do this recording around Halloween to watch Return of the Living Dead is just like the fucking coolest thing I could be doing right now. Dude, it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got some, uh, we got some extracurricular fun stuff. We got cold beers. You, um, you have a, a, a cannabis beverage you're going to try. Tell us about that. What are you going to yeah, try? Yeah. I, so, uh, I, I, I'm more on the weed train than I am on the alcohol train lately. And, um, in California, we have these products that are, uh, like different types of cannabis beverages. I I've tried only one before the, uh, Lagunitas brewing has a, uh, cannabis beverage called Called Hi Fi Hops. I yeah. noticed you were drinking Lagunitas. Uh, they do a uh, a collab with uh, Canacraft in um, Santa Rosa, California, and they make like a it's like a hoppy water. You know, it it, it tastes okay. like the um, like the hop water you can get uh, in the store that's non alcoholic and and non cannabis infused. So like I've had that one, but this one's new. It's like a cannabis infused social tonic is what it's called. Uh, it's got two milligrams THC, four milligrams CBD, and apparently it's fast acting. It's like a new thing. Uh, so I don't have to wait 45 minutes to an hour to feel it. And I actually even have another version. Hold on a second. This one is one, it's one bottle. It's 100 milligrams of THC. So here I have one can that's got two milligrams of THC, or I have one bottle that's 100 milligrams of THC. <laughs> I mean, I like the one with 100. I'm not going to lie to you. That's uh, I will be that's... cracking this open mid mid movie. <laughs> Like you know, right when all the zombies get turned up, I'm going to hit I'm going to hit this this heavy. And the funny thing about the heavy is it's also fact act, fast acting. So if you drink this all at once, you would immediately probably freak the fuck out unless you're, you know, a well-traveled cannabis user. I'm well-traveled on the uh, edible side, not so much on the smoke side. So I, but I got some new tablets. I got some hash tablets. Some oh. fast acting pro tab hash. Tablets. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. So, hey, um, tell us, tell the listeners here the movie that you wanted to do, why you love it, all that jazz. Absolutely. All right. So the movie's Return of the Living Dead, uh, which is a movie that came out in the 80s. Um, it, it is, like the name suggests, about Night of the Living Dead. You know what I mean? It's, yep. it's in that, like, uh, vein, but it's not a George A. Romero film. It's sort of a satire on all those films. So uh, the I saw this movie. 
I don't know that it was my first horror film, but it's the first one that like, when I think of the first horror film I saw, this is the movie, you know? It's, it, it like gripped me in a way, both from like the zeitgeist of the culture of the film to the fact that it actually also scared the shit out of me as a kid. Like I was genuinely afraid of zombies while peeing in the dark that night before I went to bed. <laughs> but uh, but it's stuck with me. I don't know why the movie's goofy, um, but it's also so great in all of these great bad ways. It's punk rock as fuck. And I've always been into punk rock. So like that's always kept me, you know, uh, enjoying the film. The music is incredible. I still listen to the music to the day. In fact, right before we got on the call, I was just jamming to party time, uh, by 45 graves, which is one of the songs in the soundtrack that pops up right when all the shit goes down. And nice. yeah, man, I just love this movie. I love it so, so, so much. Uh, and you know like i said i've been i've been itching to watch it for this halloween season so this is just like the perfect excuse to do so this is the way to do it man talk over it get some excitement have some fun share some stories all right so you've got the link go ahead and uh hit play there'll be probably a pop-up that comes up just close that window and hit play until it gets going we'll have the i mean uh, i'm pop-up free you're pop-up free you got the lion we're good yep yeah awesome it's probably my ad blocker that's doing it (laughs) i like that so we have so as, as you know, uh, as this movie starts off, one of the things I always like to do is give a little uh, shout out to a, a local business. You know, with everything that's going on with COVID and stuff, it's like, hey, man, a lot of people can't afford advertising. So uh, why not just give them some free love right now and do that? No so, you're, you know, for me, I'll tell you, so I'm down here in SoCal doing some work and I just everything gets delivered to me. I mean, it's kind of shut down down here, obviously, yep. with the restaurants and uh so everything gets delivered to the hotel and i had this mountain mike's pizza get delivered and someone told me to try it it was really good good. it was really good i was blown away because i've done some other pizzas down here and just you know been sort of disappointed west coast is not known for their good pizza no not at all but i love pizza so i was like oh let me just you know what i'll just try it they knocked out the park so i emailed him i was like hey just you know yes i don't know how you guys handle all the, the, the business of life, but uh, you know, you're making good pies. So uh, congratulations. And the gal emailed me right back. Really, man, that's so nice of you. Thanks. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> but folks, I bring that up because if you get a good experience, man, share that with that local business, it'll, that's uh, right. it'll help them out that much more. How about you? What you got? Yeah. I, uh, you know, um, Ethiopian food is probably my favorite food on the planet. Uh, out of all of the different cuisines I've had, I've always just uh, loved Ethiopian. And I guess as a, you know, sort of a almost vegan, it really aligns with my diet really well. So uh, there used to be this uh, vegan restaurant in Austin. Well, I don't not it didn't used to be there. It still is there. I used to be there. <laughs> I used to live next to this uh, vegan restaurant in uh, North Austin called Taste of Ethiopia. Yeah, I've been there. It's absolutely hands down the best Ethiopian food I have yet had in the United States. Um, it, it rivals DC Ethiopian food. Um, it rivals Oakland Ethiopian food. It is just stellar. And I, and, and Winnie, the, the proprietor is one of the most glorious souls out there. Uh, if you've eaten there, it's possibly you, you, that you met her because she probably came up and gave you a hug. Like she's just like that kind of <laughs> person and her food is just pure love. You can taste it. So, uh, you know, um, restaurants are hurting. Um, I'm sure Taste of Ethiopia is hurting. Uh, and there's few more deserving local business owners that could use your business if you're in the Austin area. If you are in the Oakland area, there is an Ethiopian restaurant called Cafe Darai, 
which has been closed the entire time during the pandemic. And from what I understand, they have a GoFundMe to try to, to survive it. So, uh, you know, if you really like good Ethiopian food, go, go help support them. Nice. That's very cool, man. Very cool. So, you know, we brought up cannabis a couple of times here. Uh, you, Indeed. I, I don't want to say, I mean, I guess transitioned into that industry. Yep. You know, it is, uh, a lot of people called it, you know, the next modern day gold rush. Um, for the entrepreneurs that are out there that are looking at, let's say, they're seeing how this pandemic is impacting them, right? And mm -hmm. they're like, man, what is, you know, it used to be booze is recession proof. And yep. now it's really looking like canna cannabis could be that next real recession proof piece. How does, yeah, yeah. how did you transfer or, or move into that space? And, and how would you recommend others do it? Uh, that's a great question. Um, uh, first off, I want to say like on the, uh, on what you were just saying in terms of COVID, in terms of recession proofness, uh, the cannabis industry has been deemed an essential business by governors across the United States. And, um, th that can't be understated how important that is. What, because we've gone from illicit market, you know, we need to send the DEA after, you know, like let's, let's imprison people for life for having a joint, which people still are doing life sentences currently to this day for possession of small amounts of cannabis. Um, and, and now we are at a place where these are essential businesses as yeah. essential as healthcare, as essential as food, as essential as groceries. That's a swing that I've never predicted in my lifetime. It's pretty incredible to witness. And so I don't know, you know, uh, from the outside looking in the cannabis industry looks like, you know, uh, hand over fist cash that you can make as an entrepreneur left and right, uh, you know, get in on the very start of an industry. It's super exciting in that regard. Um, when I uh, decided intentionally to join the industry, there were a few different things that really caught my eye about it. Um, I mean, there, there's the historic precedent, right? Like you, you rarely in a lifetime will see an industry start from scratch. That's an opportunity that's hard to pass up if you see something really cool that you want to be a part of starting from scratch like cannabis. I happen to have been a, you know, like a 10 year cannabis user by the point that I joined the industry. And so uh, not only did I love it in many forms, but I also had become super educated in it. Mm -hmm. um, the, the people that I had started to get my uh, weed from on, on the illicit market in Texas also happened to be very uh, educated on the medicine and the science and, you know, a lot of the applications of the, of the plant. So I learned and, and absorbed as much information as I could so that when I decided this was an industry I wanted to be a part of, I actually knew why I wanted to be a part of it. You know, I had information, I had research done over you know, I don't, 10 years unintentionally, but you know what I mean? Like so many different things I was doing, my curiosity was leading me there and I was collecting information and, and, and building a base of knowledge that would make me reputable once I finally make that step in. When I decided that that was actually a thing I was going to do, um, I immediately looked into my network to see, you know, whom I might know that could, could connect me. I, I got lucky in a way because there was a job opening at the Denver Post for a media publication called The Cannabist, which was like the journalistic public, um, uh, the journalistic like uh, website of record, I guess, for the entire cannabis industry uh, globally. And um, it just so happened that the guy who was running the digital sales team at the Denver Post was previously at the Austin American Statesman where I had worked with him at Speak Social. And so uh, I gave him a call. I'm just like, hey, man, I, I don't know if I'm the right fit for this role, but I'm really interested in it and I'm kind of ready for something new. And he's like, dude, if you're looking for a job, I will hire you in a second. And, you know, wow. I still had to go through the like the rigmarole and I had to like, you know, prove myself worthy through interviews. But he knew that I would make it through because uh he, he kind of knew what my background was anyway 
I got lucky. So I can't really say like, do what I did other than be very curious about what you're trying to learn and why you're trying to get into it. Understand, you know, as much as you possibly can about the industry when you do make that step. Because when I went into that interview, I came off extremely intelligent, extremely researched, extremely educated. Like I understood the guidance that the uh, company needed to be able to apply itself to cannabis customers and cannabis companies. And um, that was by virtue of just being insatiably curious about the industry. Um, whether you have the connects or not, people are really open to making connections to people in the cannabis industry. And so really reaching out and finding any way you can to get connected, whether that's moving to a legal state and going to attend networking events uh, and just deciding to like, you know, uh, take a risk, or it's reaching out via the internet and establishing a rapport. Uh, everyone in the industry is super friendly and, and well, not everybody, but most of them, <laughs> more than most other industries, uh, really willing to share information, really willing to share opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it a fascinating industry. We um, we were raising some venture capital for a group in, in in the cannabis space some years back, and reaching out, just being like, "Hey, you know, uh, this is what I do." And, and I think you're, you know, the the moral of the story really is, and what you brought up that was crucial is, you looked into your network. You know, mm -hmm. so folks, if you don't have a network, before you go, I'm gonna go make a change. Build a network. Yeah. You know, build yeah. that network and. And the cannabis industry, you're right, they're so nice on the network side of things. I mean, much more than PR or, you know, multimedia. I mean, I, I'd reach oh, out yeah. it's like, oh, I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to, the top 20 PR firms there, right? I'm just going to yep. ping the CEO, vice president, whoever is on LinkedIn that I'm, you know, closely connected to and say, hey, family and I are thinking about moving to Nashville. I'd love to build my professional network here. 20 people. Yeah. One person got back to me wow that's you how know? it works but it's because they just they're for lack of you know better understanding there it's you know it's it's fight and flight and freaking out and it's i'm gonna get mine you know attitude yep, yep. that isn't prevalent like that in, in the cannabis industry because it is a multi-trillion dollar industry it really does have that potential and i don't think anyone's looking at it going well i want all Right. Versus, you know, I want consistency. I want my customers, but I want them to know that they can go down the street or, you know, in a multitude of different places. It's pretty cool. It, it really is. I mean, I spent 11 years in Austin working in the, you know, media, marketing, uh, advertising, PR sort of space and working with tech companies and real estate companies and healthcare companies and, you know, like all the industry that is in Texas. And over that 11 years, I built a pretty decent network that helped me make my next step into the cannabis industry. But when I joined the cannabis, uh, I didn't know the industry. I didn't have connects in the industry. You know, um, I had this one random dude that could help me like skip from one spot to the next, but he didn't have any credibility in the industry. So I had to like build all that from scratch once I started and um, nine months later, I was laid off because the Denver Post is a publication being squeezed to death by hedge fund managers. So uh, like all publications, um, you know, it's going through crazy turbulence. And so anyway, uh, uh, the whole cannabis team pretty much got laid off abruptly out of nowhere. So I was in this new industry for nine months and I was like, uh, do I have enough of a network to make it to my next thing? You know what I mean? I have no idea. I just joined. I'm in a new city. I don't know that many people. In that nine months in the cannabis industry, I was able to build a way more valuable network 
than I was in Austin over 11 years. And the reason why was because I came into it authentically. The industry is super open to make connects and, and um, you know, get good people working together and talking together. They're a lot more open to connect with you on a personal level. Like one of my first weeks at, at the cannabis, I was in a business meeting where they were just talking freely about LSD use. You know what I mean? And it was just like, Wow, well, I, I, I've never heard that brought up in a professional setting before, but rock and roll. Let's talk about it. You know what I mean? And and so you just you establish these personal connections in a way that strengthen the networking aspect of it so and gives you such faster access to valuable network than in any of the other industry I've ever been in. So um, so as long as you're just like, you know, are really authentic about it and you're not just chasing green, you're gonna be well taken care of. If you're trying to chase green, the industry is not a great place to go right now. Um, you know, it looks, it it looks like hand over fist cash, but it's not most cannabis businesses struggle to turn a profit. And most of the big investment, um, uh, the companies that have achieved the biggest investment are the ones that lose the most year over year. So, you know, there's not a cash cow to earn here yet. You have to really like make it work, but if you make it work, you're in early and it can become a cash cow, but you know, folks who are coming in looking for a quick buck are going to be sorely mistaken they're going to be pushed out real quick because the industry doesn't like that outsider sort of, you know, interest coming in to make money off their backs. Sure. Sure. Especially, you know, in the central coast area where, yep. you know, it was just a blind eye was turned and, you know, in the mm-hmm. Chino area and they worked hard. And now, I mean, it, it's, it's reminiscent of, although I think there's a smarter movement in the cannabis, but it is reminiscent of the old moonshine days, you know, yeah, in middle America. Absolutely. Hey, yep. Don't come in here and try to do X, Y, and Z. You know what? We've got a process. We like to do things a certain way. We engage with one another a certain way. And it's, uh, it's yep. fascinating. I, you know, it's, it's interesting. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if you're like, hey, I mean, I remember, geez, let's date myself here. In the early, mid-80s, commercials. Uh, like, you know, in the future, you might see this commercial. And my parents yeah. were appalled. And as this guy is just got a pack of joints man light he's in the right <laughs> like what the fuck you can't just no 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 the people were losing their minds just seeing a commercial from yeah. Philip morris like that right and it was crazy and you're just like you guys you know but it's it's also very cool so many years of indoctrination so many years of how bad mm-hmm. this is so many years of lies so many years yeah. of paying people off to to ensure that that the message isn't put out there truthfully and then all of a sudden you know bringing this background front a little bit you're an essential business and you're a new essential yeah. business you know usually essential businesses are very established that's know, right it's, it's and this is brand new and it's uh it, it's fascinating to me because you know you're looking at the, the kids in the convertible car here right now i mean these were the people that did yeah. drugs there was no self-respect that's right yeah did drugs and if you took a hit of a joint, next thing you know, you're licking cocaine out of a girl's asshole. This That's is right. How, this is how the fucking works, man. The, the fucking gateway drug, man. The gateway drug to everything. And if you're taking LSD, well, after you take one tab, you're going to have brain damage. And, oh, yeah. You know, mushrooms, if you take more than two grams of mushrooms, your liver is going to fail at some point in time in your life. That's just how sucks. Exactly. And the, the, the really, the funny reality of all that is that like that commercial that Philip Morris released in the eighties, like trying to warn of this future of uh, cannabis advertising was coming from an industry that is responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths in the United States that makes yeah. COVID look like uh, a vacation. 
And yeah. here's an industry that they're trying to disparage that is responsible for currently to this day, zero fucking deaths, zero overdose deaths, zero cancer deaths as a result of, uh, of cannabis. The, uh, the only deaths that have happened as a tangential result of cannabis is due to this very rare uh, condition known as can can cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, mm -hmm. where uh, some people have very violent vomiting reactions to cannabis and don't realize it's coming from cannabis because the traditional thought is that it should do the opposite. Uh, and they end up dehydrating or, or having liver failure as a result of uh, nonstop vomiting over 14 days. And you're talking about a tiny portion of the population. It's a growing problem, but it's a thing that like, that's the only deaths that you can ascribe to the cannabis industry. For the rest of it, our hands are clean. You look at alcohol, you look at tobacco, you look at automobiles, you look at fucking vending machines. There are more deaths at the hands of those industries than there are cannabis. And yet oh. that was the, you know, like this movie was made in this time where we were being told you would you would absolutely go to hell and be snorting cocaine out of a girl's asshole if you ever I mean, smoked a joint gonna, once. You're gonna be that fucking zombie, right? And oh, they're gonna lace you with angel right. dust, you know, and then you're gonna go crazy yeah. and your mind forever. I mean, as cool as Friday was, uh -huh. it was still an angle in Friday if you shouldn't yep. do drugs. Yeah. We're still like, hey, go drink, go get your drink on. But don't, I mean, because, you know, that you can go crazy. And that's right. And it's, it's you know, he, you'll be smoky, you know, yeah, yeah. which we all love smoky, but like he's definitely not the person you're trying to be in that. <laughs> it's exactly. A twitchy little asshole, you know, just, looking around, <laughs> what the fuck? just dusting his shoulders off. And, you know, it's, it's so funny how, how far it's come in such a quick time period. I, I wonder, um, you know, now that you're in California, what, is amazing is that is there as you're looking at the industry and it's taken off so fast you know, and, and the other industries you've been in and unfortunately you know especially in the media industry right there, there are still some struggles for profitability there but <clears throat> is it a <clears throat> lack of business acumen surrounding um uh cannabis because the real experts were underground for so long or is it the fact that it's embraced by everyone, but transactionally our, our government entities. It's a great question and it's both, you know, I mean, um, there's, we're, we're at a stage now in evolution of the industry where like more sophisticated business owners have become a part of it, right? right? Sure. Um, oh my God, I just gotta say real quick in this movie. So uh, the canned zombies from Night of the Living Dead have been like, their, their little container has erupted, the gas has, started to affect everything and turning the dead to life and the little half cut dog that they beat with a crutch. It's fucking classic. Uh, I love the dad's also, overreaction too. He's like, that was, that was fluffy. The, yeah, exactly. The, the overreaction is the best part. But then there's the goo zombie. The goo zombie that they released is one of the best parts. Later on in the movie, there's a whole like uh, interaction with the goo zombie, but just wanted to bring up that because we will talk about it. <laughs> So, you know, we're, we're at a point where like the cannabis industry has the, the legacy, you know, illicit operators whom, you know, uh, never collected any data along the way because that was all incriminating evidence. They are traumatized from, you know, the uh, helicopters and the DEA raids that they had to deal with, uh, you know, starting their business. They uh, so and they still operate very much in this way. Now, they're starting to adopt tools and modern, you know, uh, business practices and stuff. But for the most part, like I've been to cultivations in Humboldt where the dude met me on a four, a four wheeler 
with no shirt on. And I had to be vetted through a contact of his before he would meet me down there. And then they drove me up to the farm to see the farm. On the flip side, I've been to a cultivation in Oregon that looks like the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory. So there's this like wide gap of how people operate. Some people are highly automated, highly technologically advanced, highly data-driven. Uh, they produce some pretty decent weed. Then there are the folks that are using space science and geological formations on their land in Humboldt, but at the same time used to have guns strapped to their back to protect their land and don't really like, reg like regulars coming by who are growing the best weed on the planet. Right. And so these two are competing against one another in the same markets. Often you've got cultivators in Santa Barbara that have, you know, acres of greenhouse, just like massive big ag productions producing, you know, kind of boof weed. Uh, but it's the weed that you can get in California for like 150 bucks an ounce, which is cheap here, even though in Denver, you can get really, really good indoor weed for about 100 an ounce. Uh, the economics here are still really bad in California. But anyway, the point is you get this spread. When I joined the industry, the the reason, one of the reasons that like I was compelled to do it professionally, like take that risk was because I knew I would be sort of a big fish in the small pond mm -hmm. uh, in that, uh, by the way, this chick just totally gets really weird yeah. and horny in a graveyard for no reason. <laughs> just in the air, man. And she then does a dance. It's her, it's her, and her and like the friends, like they're like, oh, here we go again. She's just getting naked and dancing like she does. Let's get the flares out. <laughs> flares out that you know, let's try, turn that boom box up that you know let's, that's let's, right that's right gotta bring the boom uh, box back so hilarious <laughs> she's kind of stripping and then it but it, and it's also it's it's like if the crew from electric boogaloo did acid that's right <laughs> that's right yeah you got you got this like sort of weird feminized punk rock kind of look going you know yeah, yeah. i love it yeah, she's um got an interesting uh interesting look but she keeps her leggings on she like does ju just those right she she does make an appearance later the, one of the m things that makes this movie particularly unique is that i think that the first time to try to make zombies sexy that does happen um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah you know i i knew that like i i had a background in knowledge in uh marketing tactics and strategies that most people in the industry wouldn't probably already have because they were coming from more legacy operations and you know sort of mom and pop shop kind of like businesses like if you, you think bars and restaurants you're a lot closer to the mark as to what cannabis companies are like than if you think science forward big ag productions hand over fist retail you know what i mean like yeah it's less prada and a lot more your local bar and restaurant and the way that they they operate so uh you know luckily that was true that you know i did have a little bit more experience and knowledge in legacy systems and 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 in digital marketing and advertising than a lot of the marketers in the cannabis space did and that allowed me a lot of like advantages that i was able to exploit and kind of you know do things that were traditionally considered not allowed like we're not allowed quote unquote in the cannabis industry to use social media advertising so we can't use facebook we can't use google we can't use any of these traditional advertising networks because they really? don't want to take cannabis funds really there, there's like really my entire playbook for for marketing was i mean you know some people get through it but it, you have to be really tricky or you have to get lucky most okay. of these accounts that do that do get advertising through and aren't being really smart about it they have their accounts shut down 
So that happens a lot. You'll get Instagram accounts for cannabis brands in the hundreds of thousands. And then all of a sudden their account just gets shut down for no reason. Um, and that's wow. how these, these organizations operate with our industry. So we're at this point where like the whole rule book that I, uh, the whole playbook that I came into the industry with had to get sort of thrown out of the window. But also because I had been down that road so many times, I understood these networks enough that, that I could figure out what those strategies were that I needed to, to employ to get us through the restrictions. There's a lot of naked in here, which I think is hilarious. There, it, it is a very naked movie. And also, I think it was the first where the zombies were fast, too. Yes. So, like, they just, like, bust out and they're running. And one other thing about the zombies is that this is the first one, I think, where the zombies start talking. Like, uh, anyone who grew up in the 80s and 90s has this concept of zombies going, brains, brains. That comes from this movie. See, that's, I didn't. Like I didn't this realize. zombie screaming with a pickaxe in his head. Yeah, he's still kicking the legs. Yeah, he's, he's kicking, he's screaming. You're like, why well, is zombie's not supposed to scream? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the zombie just did its, it's, yeah, this is, uh, it's, it's fascinating the, um, sometimes, if you will, the barriers that they, uh, you know, like he's going to saw the head off now. I mean, this is, this yeah. is how Dateline makes its nut, right? They're like, and then the three criminals. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's perfectly reasonable that they got to this point. Oh, yeah. And the, you know, they're trying to saw the head off and it's just, but there's no, I do think it's interesting. There's no blood. You know, they did nope. play that well. Yeah. Well, this is a zombie that was just like a cadaver hanging out in the back, right? Like yeah. at this funeral home. So like, I guess to be used for scientific dissection, but yeah, <laughs> it's just like this preserved pickled body running around headless. Not a thing that's supposed to happen with zombies either. They just kind of like threw the rules out. I love it. Yeah. They're just like, well, listen, we're going to have some fun. We're going to get a little high. <laughs> we're going to have a good time. That's right. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's a, uh, and I like what really one of my favorite things about any of the scenes that involve these three guys is that the scenes are almost all them yelling over each other. Just ah! like throughout the whole scene, all they do is yell all their lines at each other. It's really quite wonderful. And there's, and there's, there's an, there's an acting coach going, you know, the guy in the blue shirt is overacting a little bit on every scene. <laughs> That's right. Yes, it's just, he's gritting his teeth. Grimace the whole time. <laughs> ah, it's just, it's, I mean, he's going to have heart failure. They keep screaming and crying. And then in between tears, he'll just yell only. And then he's, he's like a frantic child. I mean, folks, it's great. I want to see movie. him act in a non-zombie film. Like, I want to see him take this level of overacting to any other role that he could do, like a, a, a rom-com. Imagine yeah, him as the dad in a rom-com. Oh, it's called the Hallmark Channel. They're just like, all right, bitch. <laughs> what do you got? Right. Like, Christmas princess. <laughs> it's a Zoom Christmas. <laughs> Patty stumbled into the wrong oh, Zoom. Oh, man. Because it didn't have a password, and she met Tom. Was it a mistake, or was it true love? <laughs> was it true love? That's right. There's always, like, a, you know, the, the, the love interest works at like a small bakery in the town that her mom owns and like yep. she's like you know the the passing of hands yeah, but then the big wig the, the the big wig ad exec from manhattan is coming back home and you know he's he's courting her but he's like way too important he's got to get yeah. to his mercedes I, uh, by the my, way, and she's got the old pickup truck and you just don't know how that's right gonna make it and then all of a sudden he goes you know those blueberry biscuits <laughs> yeah, if you just added a little bit of a little bit of sage in there, you know, change the whole recipe. And she's like, but wait, I thought you were an attorney. Oh, I am. But to pay for law school, I had to work in the kitchen. That's a right. Biscuit kitchen. <laughs> biscuit kitchen. <laughs> I learned a thing or two about herbs. I was thinking about blueberries and herbs and how they 
dance on your it's always the I, uh, last place. October I was in Pennsylvania and um, there was this like little town that my wife is from there that was having like a, a night market exp you know uh, event and we showed up and it was like a little crisp out and I was wearing like a like a, a beige sweater with a scarf and my wife was wearing a scarf and we took this selfie and like the the beanie look on her with the long hair underneath it and it looked exactly like a fucking hallmark movie it almost made me sick <laughs> but it was like, too and, cute so like and honey we're gonna be put on all sorts of ice cream because that's right like, you know there's gonna be a butter campaign with us <laughs> on there it's fantastic babe you look great precisely it's, the pumpkin yeah, spice coffees <laughs> is that when you've made it is that when the weed industry's made it when all of a sudden there's a hallmark movie about how you know i mean you know uh i, I would imagine so you know because like there's going to be a point and, it, and it's jumped the shark a few times now uh the weed industry but there's going to be a point when it's going to be so normal that it's lame i mean you know to a certain extent the the way the industry operates to any normal smoker like if you just like were hanging out with a random stoner anywhere in the united states and you're like this is what the weed industry is like they would be like who gives a fuck yeah Do not care it's so boring <laughs> you know what i mean um do you, do you see the industry really taking hold because i mean this pandemic right it's there's a lot of people out of work there's a lot of states yeah. that need revenue and uh that revenue you know is more than likely going to have to come from the evolution of an industry yeah, and um, this is it. You know, uh, I, I'm with you. I'm shocked that you can go and buy a fifth of Jack Daniels and die. Yeah. Right. But uh, you you you'll go to prison for having weed. I mean, they decriminalized it in Austin. Yeah. But dude, go to go to fucking Lubbock, you know, and have an ounce on. That's you right. And see what happens. Just <laughs> drive up to Williamson County. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Go to Hutto. Yeah. Just you know just. <laughs> Go, go see the kids in Round Rock and see what happens. Okay, you're going to jail, son. Precisely, and precisely. Yeah, uh, it, it, that that whole thing is so, super nuts. Just like the disparity of how it's it's treated one one place to the next. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the the cannabis industry currently accounts for like something like two hundred eighty thousand jobs. Uh, that's involving directly touching the plant and as well as the other companies that form around the industry. Like, you know, the company I work for is, a we, we provide banking to cannabis companies. The one I was working for before this one, uh, we had a wholesale marketplace software where cannabis companies could exchange their, uh, products and pay for products and whatever. And so like, uh, so there's these ancillary companies that exist around, you know, the, the picks and shovels for the industry. And, uh, when you, when you total up the impact of the industry, you're already at 280,000 jobs in an industry that is stifled federally, that is stifled from a financial perspective, that is still even in California, really stifled from a which county allows it across the state perspective. And that only like 20% of uh, locations in California allow for cannabis operations. That means 80% of the state still bans it in some level uh, operating within their, their, their um, locale. So, you know, with all of these barriers, we've already got 280,000 jobs. When people talk about things like coal or, you know, uh, traditional energy jobs and they're worried about oil and gas, when you total up coal's total number of jobs, you got like maybe 10 to 20,000. It's, it's like a very small number. But we're led to believe that there's all, like, all of these energy jobs that are going to be lost if we adopt, you know, modern technology and green energy. And so I, I think that there's this great uh, opportunity 
for these things to kind of converge as like movements within our society to evolve out of, um, you know, job crisis as well mm -hmm. as evolve out of traditional sort of fossil fuel industry, cannabis sort of provides a great place for those people to be retrained. There's a whole lot of opportunity still to this day. There's something like, I think, 10 more states that are voting on cannabis right now to be allowed in their states. So it's just going to continue to grow. And then we still have the international markets to tap into, which are virtually non-existent. So, um, you know, when you look at cannabis, when you look at hemp, which is part of the cannabis industry, same plant. Dude, that's what um, I was going to ask you about hemp, because if you think about, I mean, the first car was built, Henry Ford built his first car. To mm -hmm. <clears throat> that's right. It is, as so many people have described it, alien-esque super hard and strong that's right very durable yet very light very buoyant yep. it makes softer clothes it makes better paper it's it's more reusable it's easier on the environment and, it, and it, this is what blows my mind this is what i don't understand you will have people who will literally and this is not hyperbole and i speak in a lot of hyperbole <laughs> you'll say trump said no to the green new deal and they will cry and they'll be like you are destroying the earth like, okay. However, hemp's still illegal. Right. <laughs> no, courting hemp is still illegal. Yeah. You can have the seeds that you can't grow. You can grow, but you can't have the seeds. There's this, there's this dance that's being played. <clears throat> and less water, less space, yeah. more impact, more things. I mean, it's, you know, uh, hemp concrete's better. They've got mm -hmm. all these things. It's fire resistant. Yeah, it's just like you guys. These are all the cool shit we can do, and they're like, but yeah, and it's just it, and I don't know why. And it, it, a very long-winded way to be like, why can't we, or why isn't there a movement behind hemp that should be? I mean, it seems like not only should it be, but it just is, right? I mean, yeah. the fact that it's not is is crazy. But it's how, a is it bad oops. PR? What is it? I mean, you know, there, there's a ton of movement behind it, but it's, it, it lacks popular acceptance for, because there's, there, so there's, there's a number of converging factors. Number one is it's confusing, right? Um, is hemp cannabis? Is hemp weed? Can you get high on hemp? Right? There's so yeah. much disinformation programmed in our brains since the sixties. Um, and, and particularly even still to this day, um, you can talk to legislators who don't know the difference, right? The, the thing is, is that it is confusing because hemp is a uh, made up term. All it means is cannabis that doesn't have THC in it. Yeah, it's just cannabis apparel, right? with THC. Well, I mean, it's got CBD, it's got CBG, okay. it's got CBN. It does have THC, but trace amounts of it, right? As long as the THC is below 0.3%, which is, by the way, an arbitrarily made up number. It doesn't have any <laughs> meaning. Like, you know, it's, Would you like to pick a number, Tom? That's right. You and they what? pick 0.3%. Uh, there's no health reason for that. There's, there's literally no reason. But anyway, that was where they put the mark. So that's the line. As long as the THC is below that line, it's hemp. If it's above that line, it's cannabis. That's the only difference. Same plant, scientifically identical. It produces cannabinoids. It produces terpenes. It produces herd. It produces fibers. Uh, it produces leaves. Right. And it can be used in any of those fashions. Right. So when people grow CBD hemp, right, hemp to make CBD extracts, they're growing a different plant. Uh, or they're growing a different way than you would grow the same plant if you were growing it for textiles, right? Because you're trying to, um, you know, either vegetate or you're trying to grow for flower, right? If you're growing sure. for flower, that's what you extract most of the oils and make the CBDs out of. Um, those flowering hemp plants look identical, smell identical to cannabis plants when they're growing. 
Um, and I, I and, and they're great. I like smoking them, honestly, to be perfectly honest. They, they taste delicious. And uh, CBD still does kind of like give you a medicinal quality. Uh, it just doesn't get you super intoxicated. What um, is the, real, real quick, is there, what is the difference between hemp and CBD? And what, I ask because it's like I have really bad tinnitus in my ears and I have a hard time sleeping. And I used to take like yep. two or three Tylenol PMs and that just destroys your gut biome. I mean, it just right. wreaks yep. havoc. So I started getting these hemp Zs and they're, they're like a thousand milligram hemp, X, Y, and Z, all these other letters behind it. And then yep. natural melatonin. And let me tell you, folks, knocks me out. That's I right. Get a sound five hours of sleep. Sound. Yep. It's amazing. But then yep. I don't know. But then I'll see like this is the CBD one. This is the hemp one. Are they the same? Are they different? Yes. Uh, so if you're buying CBD anywhere outside of a cannabis store, you're buying hemp derived CBD. Okay. CBD is the extract of the plant. Think of it like the olive oil from the olive tree, right? Okay. Um, the olive tree grows the fruit, which are the olives. That fruit gets picked, pressed in a certain way that its oils are released and you get the essence of the olive, right? Without all of the detritus. <laughs> sure. um, so think of the cannabis plant the same way, right? If you're getting CBD, all cannabis plants produce some range of what are called cannabinoids, THC, CBD, CBG, CBN, THCV. There's 200 of them, 200 of them, or maybe 150 of them. There's a lot of them. The only ones that we really care about are THC and CBD, <laughs> uh, right? But, mm -hmm. and those are also the, the two that express themselves the most in almost all cannabis plants anyway. So naturally that's what the plant's saying. These are the two most important. Um, when you produce cannabis that grows its flowers or its buds, that bud, is rich with um, the flavors and smells known as terpenes and the cannabinoids, either the THC or the CBD. Hemp uh, is, is just merely grown to express the CBD only or, okay. or primarily. Um, and, and that's what you're getting is the extract of a hemp plant that's grown for CBD uh, specifically. But when you get cannabis extracts from a store, like, you know, whether it's uh, distillate or shatter or um, tinctures or this cannabis beverage I'm drinking, mm -hmm. Those are just like regularly grown cannabis plants that have more THC than CBD. And so they extract the THC out of those buds instead of the CBD using the exact same methods, using the exact same plant. It's just expressing a different chemical profile. Nice. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, that really does. Thank See you. why it's confusing to the public though? <laughs> yeah. No, no, now it also, that makes your comment even makes more sense. It, it's funny. You know, that's, so that's like one aspect of what makes it so hard because like people think of, they, they don't know what it means first and foremost. Secondly, yep. they think you can still get high off of it. Technically, they're not wrong. Technically, they're wrong at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and then beyond that, there's the, you know, the textiles, the practical applications like uh, it, for, for ind industrial purposes that you can make plastic, you can make batteries, you can make all this stuff. Right. So. Um, so the. Oh, this is when the shit goes down the right unintended now, I was by just the way, because this uh, this begs of the question, which is the unintended consequences of yes. legalizing marijuana. As I wonder, as there's a part, there's this weird part of my brain that goes mass, commercial, aggressive capitalism is going to fuck up how people get high. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, that's I, I like how you don't even talk me off the ledge. You're like, no, nope, we're, we're well, we're well on that path. <laughs> well on that path. Um, you know, in, in, in the pharmaceutical world, in the pharmaceutical world, uh, so many companies are trying to patent specific uh 
compounds within the cannabis plant, like, like THC Monsanto or CBD. Did with their seeds, like, oh, that's our specific that's right. corn seed. We own it. I mean, they're, they're already working on that. Uh, the federal government already uh, patented, most people don't realize this, they already patented CBD as a medically valuable compound, um, like in 2012, maybe 2009. Like while they were prosecuting people for cannabis and hemp, they had already declared with a patent that CBD was medicinally valuable, right? So that's why we have schedule one uh, uh, status is because they say we don't have any medicinal value whatsoever to the cannabis plant. And therefore it's a schedule one narcotic, but the government themselves patented it as being medically valuable. So you, you already see this like crazy hypocrisy behind it that is motivated by controlling a specific status of a market and being able to profit off it. And in pharmaceutical companies have followed suit. Um, there's a company called Epidiolex that has a uh, synthesized CBD medication that, they're, um, that they've been in trials for already and are using for epilepsy. And it might be a really great medicine, sure. But like, sure. you know, a, a purified extract of a cannabis plant that is not synthesized, that is not being uh, created using harmful biochemicals or petrochemicals, um, you know, that is something that you can just get from a caregiver, from someone who can grow a plant in their backyard like myself or from a really, you know, um, a, a reputable cannabis farmer. And what you're getting is better medicine each yeah. and every time. So and it's that, cheaper and it's... Is the, is, the, is the caring nature of it? No that's one, right. No one, hyperbole, no one, pops a couple of Vicodins and goes, I wish I could grow these in my backyard for all my friends, right? That's right. Think about how can they can hide one so they can do two, right? Mm -hmm. Can I handle the pain so I can get super high? That's right. Whereas- How can I serve myself with this? Yes. And, and that's what concerns me with the, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, get a little hippy dippy here and, and a little bit of, you know, so it will, it ties into this, it, in my crazy mind, it ties into this movie perfectly. That yeah. rain is capitalism coming down and poisoning the plant. And That's I right. wonder, man, what the fuck is going to happen? Because I don't want to get high on the Monsanto supply. That's right. I don't. Nope. Right. I just, I, you know, um, Tom and Sally's farm down the road. Perfect. Some guy's got some dope technology around it. Perfect. Yeah. You start bringing big corporations in and think about it. Burgers, corn, bread. I mean, sodas. The list goes on and on. You mass produce, you cut corners, you do something different, and it's going to fuck it up. It's unintended so, consequences. Yeah. So then how do you, in the world of unintended consequences, how do you create an industry right that that you and your wife and the people around you and can all succeed and really live that american dream and this i think believe this is part of it this is a new gold rush of the american dream that's going to eclipse yeah. solar and everything else how do you keep that but then also keep that small business matters um we're going to grow this and do this one region at a time not 50 states yeah. at a time I mean, um, maybe I have some messages of optimism here, uh, which is rare for me, by the way. <laughs> it's very rare for me, um, which is that we as a culture have, have, have become, we have a different relationship with our consumables than we used to. You know, okay. um, the advent of 
the organic shopping experience, the, um, you know, the pushback against GMO, um, the, uh, the, the, you know, kind of like reemergence of farmers markets and local economies around food and around these experiences and, 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 and uh, wine and alcohol. I mean, you look at the beer industry alone and you see something that nobody ever imagined could happen, which is small micro brews literally put a huge dent in major craft or major produced beer right sure. there was not a microbrew craft brew market prior to 1980 and now it is so prolific that budweiser is having to make their own lines of craft brews and acquire craft brews just to continue to have as much market share as they used to have now they still dominate of course right but that's because they started that way you know beer didn't beer was once like you know hundreds of years ago very craft but uh when beer Beer became a um, culturally relevant part of our society. It was already in a mass-produced state. Sure, cannabis um, has become culturally relevant in a batch, small farm state. Yeah, and it already started where the craft brew industry had to gain such ground. That's where the cannabis industry started, and and it continues to stay that way. I mean. There is shitty product out there. There is mass-produced product out there. People will buy things based on cost, of course, right? But are, are do people want Marlboro joints? I don't think so. Do people want Monsanto weed? I don't think so. You know, you're you're always going to find some bargain shoppers who will buy whatever's going to be the cheapest, and some things that can be mass-produced cheaply are always going to win that side of the market. Oh, here comes the goo zombie. Oh, no. This is this is great. <laughs> I like how she's like, do I go down the stairs? I'm like, oh, right. you, you fucking people, run down the stairs, jump down Always. the stairs, get out. <laughs> That's right. This, this Always. telling bullshit drives me fucking crazy. This is the way they try totally. to legalize weed. Just one step. One step <laughs> the goo, all right? The, the yep. fucking people who don't want to lose their nut on something until they can figure out how to capitalize the most out of it are going to take advantage. You know, and, you know, so the zombies have have uh, have not appeared yet. Right. Like the the nefarious, uh, capitalistically driven uh, uh, powers that. Oh, God, he's so good. He's like the gooeyest human I had ever seen in in horror movie history. Just and he just comes out. And he goes brains. Oh, it's so brains. good. All of a sudden <laughs> that stare breaks. You know, yeah. he, his teeth look so messed up and his tongue's out. It's just, he's just like, and here I come. It's, oh, yeah. You, you can see his skull. Gotta, gotta do some pull-ups there, lady. It's just skull. Whoever did the movement for this actor, it just nailed it. He's just like, <laughs> How come everyone in every movie has shitty ankles? Like, they fall? You know, It really, like, ah, yeah. It, whereas no the integrity zombie, to the run. <laughs> no integrity to the run. Yet this zombie is just like, is, you know, is he going to find... This. So we're at the goo zombie. I'm going to definitely crack open this, this hundo, the heavy, it gives you this like goofy little cup to dose it. Now, obviously, and I'm not the best at this. I'm not the best spokesperson for this. So I, I apologize to your industry in advance. I am. I'm the person who you know, I'm like, Oh, are we going to go jogging? And someone's like, we should jog around the block. I'm like, can we just try to jog five miles? Even if we don't make it just to try. Yeah. So when I buy stuff like, I don't know, those cookies that I had, right? Those were at five, yeah. five milligrams a piece. I'm like, sweet. My friend's like, you only need one. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I really need one. Come on. I was like, one. Let's you do this. Let's have some fun. And then you get this crazy stuff. So 
But I mean, what did I? Let's see, what did I get here? I got some. Okay, this is what I wanted to run by you again because I brought it up a little bit here, but you know, it's it, the goo is here. I oh, and got, like one of my favorite lines of the whole movie is coming up. Oh, he's just biting his head, which I just is crazy. Oh, he just bites right into his head. Yeah, the yeah. dude's gooey. He doesn't have any skin, but his teeth have hella integrity. He can bite through a skull. <laughs> bite through a skull gets hit with a. And they're standing there watching, folks. Let me tell you something. More brains. More brains. <laughs> and now no one's worried about that. And that guy's. And of course now dead. she loses her 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 uh, her her sheet, so now she's assless while fighting a zombie. She's got her top covered and then her ass hanging out. Ass out. Got to fight the zombies uh paramedics get just eaten to shit in this movie they just constantly are getting eaten and they and somehow the zombies know how to call for more paramedics it's fucking wonderful i mean these zombies are super intelligent and then the two the whether they're a father son team whatever they are there's they are they're slowly becoming <laughs> the boss and new hire the boss and the new hire that's right yeah you know but I, so I, I get all this crazy stuff i get these pro tabs i've got these mints i've got a spray i've got the um the kana you know, little edibles that are, you know, 10 milligrams a piece. Yeah. What is, mm. what's the next frontier do you see? You've got a beverage there. I've got, as I said, mint spray tabs, jellies, you know, I just ate some cookies. I think there's a, yeah. whatever the hell else is in here. There's, you know, a bit, but you know, it's like, what's, what's the next frontier on where, where you, where we can put this stuff in? I mean, it's, <laughs> Yeah, I've had an I've had a, a an as, uh, asthma inhaler uh, method before. Like uh, really? I, I don't know what to call it other than inhaler, but it literally it's yeah. like an asthma inhaler. And just you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Th there. Look, there's there's going to continue to be some sort of uh, stretch in terms of what types of delivery methods people come up with cannabis. I, I personally think the future is the beverage market to a certain extent um, because there's like if you're going to smoke weed, you're going to smoke weed. You're already here. You've already, you've already found it, right? Like you already like smoking flour. You're probably not looking for other forms of method, but maybe you are, maybe you're open. To I'm a huge flower head. I will always be a huge flower head, but you know, I decided for this particular experience, like, let's see what it's like to, to do the, the beverage thing. And luckily beverages have gotten to a point right now where you get this like fast acting cannabis rather than the, you know, delayed 45 minutes to an hour and a half edible experience that that is going to be a thing of the past um a lot of edibles companies are starting to move towards this fast fast acting uh, uh cannabinoids which is the, the way they do that is they just find a different way to get the cannabis extract into the product in a smaller molecular form so that it's water soluble and it just passes the brain brain barrier fast that is important because most people overdose from a like experience perspective, not from a medical perspective, they, they dose too high whenever they use edibles because they don't know when it's going to hit them. And they're like, well, I don't feel anything. Let me try again. And the next thing they know, they, th they think they're having a heart attack and they're not. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I think like. I've never understood that. Right. I just, I mean, obviously I've eaten too many before, but there's sure. also, there's just a part of it. It's just like, Hey man, I'm going on a journey. Here we go. That's right. Like, I mean, um, the the problem is, is that um, when you smoke weed, the this is going to get really sciencey for a second, so just pardon me. <laughs> when you smoke weed, the chemical that is going into your brain and giving you the effect is called delta nine THC. It okay. is what happens when you burn raw THC in the plant. Okay. It turns to delta nine. And that delta nine gets you high. Um, the uh, edible experience, the 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 cannabinoids go through your liver and get processed by your liver. 
and then uh, skeleton has no organs, but it has eyeballs. It has eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> also, this is the song uh, that I was listening to right before we started this party time. There's always a song like when 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 the shit goes down in a horror movie, like right when everything gets amped up. Uh, and that song is always my favorite song from the film, like uh, in Ghostbusters, like when all of the, the ghosts get out of the containment unit unit and, and just like, oh, shit, shit starting now. Yeah, uh, there's a song called uh, Magic by Mick Smiley. Yeah. And uh, it kicks into place right at that point. Best song on the whole soundtrack. Oh, see, you know what? When you're naked. When you are right. modern day Hester Prynne throwing your bits around, you're going to get eaten. Okay. You're not going to survive. That's what happens, That's you what know, happens. on a, a zombie filled uh, graveyard. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so when you, when you do the edibles, it goes through your liver. You, the, the chemical that affects you is, is called 11 hydroxy THC instead of Delta nine THC. Okay. And the only difference between the two is that 11 hydroxy is way more potent. And also your brain uh, interacts with it differently in sort of an unpredictable way. Uh, some edibles might hit you really hard. Some might never hit you at all. None might ever hit you. Like, you know, I have a high tolerance for edibles. Seems you do too. My brother, however, if he takes five milligrams, he will geek out for the rest of the night. Feel like he's having a heart attack, panic attack. It's too much. And I think it's because that form of intake that like 11 hydroxy THC does not gel with his brain, but I have been able to give him to like vaporize some weed and that, you know, he's pretty chill. You know, it's just Delta nine. He's doing good. You know what I mean? He's like, uh, feeling what he should feel, but the edible experience is totally different unless it's the fast acting. If it's fast acting, it is Delta nine THC. So okay. they're able to bypass the liver by making a smaller molecule out of the extract. Like I said, this is really hell science. No, no, but it's actually super interesting because, you know, as, as a edible person, like sometimes I'll take the flower now and mm -hmm. this and dumb science. So you've, you've got, you've got smart science, you bro science. Me. <laughs> so I take the flower, and I, and I get real pepperoni, the real fatty. It's like roni cups. It's going to curl yeah. up and the oil is just going to sit in there and be like, oh, my yeah, God, yeah, yeah. heart, you know, and the cheese <laughs> thick and gooey and right. you just, you know, it's perfect. So I take that and then I'll take the flour and I'll cut it or grind it up and I'll sprinkle it on top of an uncooked pizza like it's fucking oregano or basil yep. and then throw it yep. in there. But the difference is, and I don't know what this is, I'll have half a pizza where I'll put an ounce, let's say, of bud on there. And I'm in Jupiter, not just that night, the yeah. next day, I wake up. high. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I can have 100 milligrams of cookies. And I'll get high and I'll enjoy myself. And I'll just be like, do 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 do. And then yeah, I'm good four hours later. Right. So uh, so there's a there's a dose math here, right? Okay. Um, and, and then there's some other things that are like happening that you don't realize are happening that are making it better. But first dose math, right? If you take one gram of cannabis and it's 20%, that's 200 milligrams. Oh, awesome. Okay. Right. <laughs> an ounce is 28 grams of cannabis. So if you're grinding up an entire ounce of weed and you're putting it on a pizza and that weed is 20% THC, which is like the higher benchmark for average uh, sure. cannabis strains. Um, yeah. they, they get more potent into the 30%, like low 30%, but mm -hmm. uh, as low as say 15%, sure. let's just say is 20. Um, that's uh, 200 milligrams times 28. Bad at math. 4,800, somewhere about there. 4,800 milligrams on your pizza. And I'm, yeah, obviously I'm not eating the whole pizza. You have a couple slices. Well, right, but like, you know, 
how many slices of pizza? Eight, six? Yeah. So divide that 4,800 by eight or six. That's how much you're taking at once, right? One sense. slice of pizza might be 200 milligrams. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> now, on top of that, because you're using pizza, because you're using the, the fatty uh, pepperoni cups plus cheese, that fat binds to the molecules of the cannabis in a way that uh, deliver it more efficiently through your system. So that's why chocolate is such a great pairing with cannabis because the fats in the chocolate deliver the cannabis better to your system than if you're eating, say, a gummy, right? You can eat okay. a gummy and you can eat a cannabis chocolate. You'll probably have a different experience. And it's mostly likely due to the fats as long as the cannabis source is the same. Interesting. Wow. So you got the fats and you've got hella dose. And that's why your pizza sends you to the moon. So good that way, though. I can't, mm -hmm. There's just no... You know, and ounce is a lot to put on one pizza. Well, yeah, I mean, but it, when you grind it up, it's not as much as when you see it. Like you see it in the bag, right? Yep. Take the stems off, grind it up, and then you're putting it on there. You know, and I get one of those big HEB pizzas, the you know the the eight dollar yep. ones or whatever. So I have it for like four days. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's you know, I I love it. I think. Yeah, dude. I'm I'm not trying to judge. I'm just saying no, that's no. a. It's a, no, that's a, that's a but hearty now, wheat I, pizza there. But now I know why I stoned the next day. That's right. Because, you know, that, that makes sense. I said no idea about that, folks. Learning something new. Learning that's something right. new. This is why brownies work so well for weed, you know, because the, the fats inside Oil, it uh, helps, helps. to. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. All the good, good. All the good, good, man. You go. Yeah. Now, it, it could be possible, uh, depending on the temperature that you cook your pizza at, that you actually are uh, reducing the total dosage uh if it if it cooks at 180 degrees cannabis it, it goes through a process called decarboxylation where uh it converts to delta 9 thc but it doesn't burn off but like you know at temperatures of 350 plus it starts to vaporize so oh i'm at yeah, um, four 425 so right right so you're no, probably no, vaporizing you some of that damage what you say yeah no, yeah a little bit need. A little bit, a little bit. The The better way to do it is take a sheet pan and put all your weed on the sheet pan and decarboxylate it at 180 degrees for like four or five hours the night before. Mm -hmm. And then uh, cook your pizza. And when you're done cooking your pizza, sprinkle the decarboxylated weed onto your pizza. You uh, will lose the integrated flavors, but sure. you will at the very least preserve the most potency. Okay. Dude, nice. What? This is what I don't understand. Well, I love this part of the movie, right? I love the goofiness yes. of this movie. They've got the big chest of drawers and they're using some nails mm -hmm. to hammer it. While at the same time, they're just coming in through the windows on the side. That's right. And they're just like swinging things at the windows. Like that's gonna, yeah. This house has more fucking windows than, this is the other thing you know, that, that I find fascinating. There's not any time in the future after they do a zombie film where it's like, you know, 20 years down the road and there's all of a sudden homes with no windows. <laughs> That's right. You would think, listen, the way we handle pandemics, all right? We almost all have windows, yeah. <laughs> we still have fucking windows. It's like return of the living dead. Assholes have windows. What happened to the night of the living dead? Yeah, it's a real fucker, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> How'd they get in? Uh, they came through the windows. Get the fuck out of here. You have windows again? Well, you know, I like to see the sun. That's right. <laughs> Just... I, I love that the zombie just like calls in more paramedics on the CB radio. Like this is the greatest. Just gets on there. Uh, what's your location? Brains. That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry, what's going on? 
Are you at the third in the co covert? Brains. And they're like, we're sending brains. seven. We're sending seven, Bob. You More brains. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, uh, there, there's a scene coming up. I, I'll call it out when we get there. But yeah. um, it, the, the kid who started his job at the funeral home, who's currently dying with the overacting guy, he's laying there on the ground. The, the, girl, the scene yeah. with him and Tina uh, later on is so epic. And I have a whole story I can tell you about it later. But uh, just, you know, watch this space. <laughs> nice. I will. Uh, so we were, um, I was with uh, Jessie Mae Pelusa, who's, she's starting her own. I think she's opening up her own dispensary down in California. She's a stand-up comic. And we did Night of oh, the right Living Dead. George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. And of course, it opens up. It's got the little zombie kid. And yeah. she's like, what do you do? I'm like, you kick that fucker in the head. Oh yeah, always. She's like, but it's their child. I'm like, I have a child. Trust me. Turns into a zombie, kick her in the head. It's just how it works. No longer your child. No longer my child. It's, not, you're not, it's now football. Yeah, <laughs> we're good. We are 100% good. Little, little biting football. But we were talking about how the zombies attack differently, you know, and here, of course, it's so interesting how they just go right for the skull. Like they don't, That's right. every other zombie movie like try to scratch you and then you turn into a zombie or they're grabbing on and they're like biting your hamstring. Yeah. You know, and this one is is like, no, we fucking want brains. And we're just going to crack your skull open and yeah. just eat brains. Yeah, I, I don't care about the rest of your body. I'm here for the fucking good good in your skull. Yeah, you see the yeah so one? there's a uh, there's a scene. Have you seen this movie before, by the way? Yeah. Okay, do you remember the scene that comes up a little bit later with the armless, legless woman zombie that they talk to? They, like, strap down oh, and have, yeah. like, an interrogation? Yeah, so she kind of explains their plot twist as to why the zombies want brains but it, it doesn't make any sense it's just like this is why they made a whole scene about it and it's like okay <laughs> and it didn't it's there's no cohesion to this film which i actually kind of like i mean this yeah is, totally it's total punk rock <laughs> it is it is it's very punk rock it is you know ska and cocaine got together and someone wrote a movie <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that i mean I absolutely think anything, you know we, we need more of that this uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this. I find it amazing. Like, obviously, this film didn't have a big budget, but it's yep. still a classic. And you think about all the movies, all the great films you've watched over the last five years, where you're just like, I'm going to share this with someone. I'm going to tell my friends about it. Yeah. How many of them are $100 million big budget films? And how many of them are independent films where you might be seeing an actor for the first time or you are seeing an actor that you've known for a while yeah. have the freedom to change themselves or be different. I mean, totally uncut gems with Adam Sandler. Fantastic. Right. Wind river with Jeremy Renner, you know, from the yeah. born movies, uh, absolutely fucking amazing. And I bring all that up because I wonder, it's like, and this circles back to cannabis with me is at some point in time, right? Hollywood stopped making bets this went well we'll just yep we'll lose 20 million dollars or here's 100 million dollars and you know just you know nolan go make the movie and yeah yep go make the next bond movie for 200 million but then the return on it is it made 300 million like well okay, yeah maybe, maybe. but then you've got blair witch you know, 50 grand right you know makes 400 million dollars yep it's like yep. Well, you guys you know what are we asking for and i, and I wonder you know, does that concern you when you see this industry growing and you go, are we going to lose the nuance in the chase of, you know, what you've already saying your industry doesn't like, which is for the chase of the big bucks. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, it, it is already happening in the sense that, yeah. like, you know, the big money interests are already, they're already angling, you know, yeah. they, 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 they will continue to angle and they'll find a foothold somewhere. They'll, they'll, they'll make it work however they need to make it work. There's ways that they can do it nefariously. Like they could, for instance, ensure that federal legalization occurs in a form of rescheduling cannabis, which would mean making it schedule two or schedule three, which mm -hmm. then means that it has to go through pharmaceutical companies to be um, <clears throat> federally mandated. But like, I mean, this is an outlaw industry. This is an industry that started despite the fucking federal government, right? So yeah. like almost none of that can really prevent the inevitable. And the inevitable is in the will of the consumer, more or less. But the consumers right now, this is what they want. They want, you know, uh, accessible, culturally relevant brands that, you know, they can, they can be kind of big, but they need to make a good product. And if they can get a better product for cheaper, they're going to get a better product for cheaper. And there's always going to be farmers in Humboldt and Trinity and, and Mendo growing bomb ass weed that you can get, whether you're going to do it legally or illegally. Right. So, yeah. um, so, you know, I feel like, I feel like this is just like a special time and place for this industry to make its foothold where like the craft beer industry, we have a consumer um, makeup that is interested in a lifestyle choice. They're interested in, um, in, in good quality, interesting, new, inventive products. Right. And, and there's no real satiability to that, to that um, pursuit. The craft beer industry goes from IPA being all the rage to sours being all the rage to, you know, juices or whatever the fuck is. The, oh, yeah. The, the big thing now, you know what I mean? And Right. Now, everyone's right? fucking seltzer. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's just a little nuts. But like, you know, there's there, there's now seltzer festivals. Um, the <laughs> there's there's always going to be an angle that these companies can innovate with that are going to capture consumers because there's a, a whole contingency of those consumers that are less interested in the mass produced stuff. But yeah. unlike the beer industry, cannabis has not and will not start in a position of Budweiser or Paps Blue Ribbon or whatever, even though Paps Blue Ribbon just uh, created a cannabis beverage. Um, that's actually new. Wow. I almost bought some for today because I thought it'd be like perfectly relevant, but I uh, couldn't get any. Anyway, the point is, is like, I think that there's just that we have a different consumer base. We have a different time and place. We have an awakening across the entire um, spectrum for consumers. And what brings them to cannabis, generally speaking, is a pursuit of either health or better lifestyle or an alternative to opiates and alcohol. Yeah. And when that's what they're looking for, they're not really going to move towards a Monsanto, you know, super GMO, super ag. This is the sexy zombie thing, by the way. She's like, she's coming out. She's waking up in the rain. This is like, ladies and gentlemen, she... Misty Mountains on the <laughs> shower scene. Birthed right out of the mud of the cemetery. That's right. Um, what's funny is that she goes down with like five zombies biting on her, but then she comes out of the mud perfectly fine. Perfect. And, and this poor homeless guy, you know, this is the thing about the 80s. They really like to fuck over the homeless people in the movies. Because like, yeah. like, you know, he's just doing his thing. He's surviving. Here comes this hot naked woman walking out of the mist towards him. Like, yeah, with that hair. He, de he deserves this hair. moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's earned it. He should get it. He's but like, look at that outfit. Her, her leggings are still on. She's got perfect, crazy yeah, it hair. It doesn't really work I mean, out for him. 
No. I Why does he have to go this, down? I love this lady cop because she has the quintessential ladies hair. She's <laughs> that's right. Feather. It's perfect. She just she's got rolls in the back. Oh yeah, she's got a lot of aquanet in the front. She's got it dialed in. <laughs> that is for sure. You know, it's it's um. I think the um. The, the future of the industry is going to be in the beverage space because the people whom have yet to still get interested in using cannabis on the regular mm-hmm. are the ones who are afraid of, uh, you know, too much hitting them at once. Um, okay. They're afraid of a bad experience. They don't want to inhale anything. Um, they don't want to have to like eat something and then like two hours later freak out. Um, I don't and they to want to like, that's right. And they also want an experience that they're used to, right? Well, everyone's used to cracking open a six pack at a football game or a picnic or a party or whatever. Um, if you can bring a six pack of cannabis drinks that that hit you just as expectedly, that you know, like have a predictable outcome effect with, which is what mm-hmm. this fast acting stuff nowadays is is really serving. You have, uh, you know, a, a small step. I, I wouldn't suggest. A regular consumer going to a football game with a hundred pounder, but you know, get get a, a two or five milligram uh, drink, and you can have a few of them over the course of a few hours, and you'll be fine, right? Uh, you'll probably be able to drive home just fine. Like all of these things now become really approachable and accessible, and so your uncle will try a cannabis beer if that's the case. Your you know grandparents might try a cannabis beer if that's the case. And it's infinitely more healthy than an actual beer. So you also still have the opportunity to convert people, sort of like how you get meat eaters to eat uh, impossible burgers at Burger King. You can get uh, beer drinkers to drink cannabis beverages when they have the option and they know, hey, I'm still going to have some fun there. And it's going to be predictable and it's going to be, you know, handleable. I'm not going to like completely blow the line. Uh, I think that's where there's still a whole lot of opportunity that's, you know, not the beverages side of the market haven't really taken off yet. Yeah. But we're in transition. It will get there. The people that are making the long the long game bets are are betting on beverage. Wow. Well, I mean, it's, some of know, the brands out there are doing that. I like it. I mean, if you think about all the other ways of, of consumption, right? Whether it's lighting a match and going outside and smoking it, and that's frowned upon for a plethora of reasons. You know, that's yeah. that's, that's great insight. I, um, you know, it's it's funny. I think about once again. I go back to when we we're you know kids, and you're we're watching this movie, and it's scary and this is for people that don't know that are waking up in this era of life and they're 18 and they can go, you know, get a joint or they, you know, they're in these areas where they can freely, is it 18 or 21 that you can buy weed? You can get 18 if you have a medical card, medical card. So, you know, there's like, Oh, I can go get weed, you know, and jokes are already coming from comics, right? They're already talking about, let me tell you what it was like to buy weed, especially in a state where it's illegal. Right. And you're right. getting in cars with strangers. You're going to trailer parks and, you know, then they're just like, wait here. And then they just drop you off and leave yep. you there. And then they jump back and they're just like, here's your weed. And That's right. Right back to this block. You know, bitch, you got to walk. Like, that was 10 <laughs> miles. That's right. You know? like, Fuck man. Come on. Sounds like you had a very specific experience. It's been some, right. <laughs> but, you know, but it's, it's of course, crazy. yeah, they're, it's always skeezy. It's always skeezy. Yeah. It's always skeezy. And, and now they get, they just get to go and do it. And it's, it blows, it just, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that I can get online, go to a dispensary, you know, that just delivers, click on everything I want. And then boom, they come right down. That's like, right. Hello, sir. And here's your weed. Just like and a I'm pizza. Office with people, and they're like, "Oh, what'd you do? Oh, I just went and got some treats. Oh, nice for the week here." I'm yep. like, "Sure." 
you know, because, but it's also, you know, this kids, you know, where, where, whether it's religion that fucks you up as a kid or, you know, bad drug laws and, and being broken and not understanding what drugs are. Even to this day, it's like if someone was, uh, I will make a joke, you know, I, I, airport lifestyle, I'll, I'll have a beer at 7 a.m. Yep. I wouldn't feel comfortable being around just anyone and being like, yeah, uh, I had 10 milligrams this morning um, because I was just feeling a little anxious. Right. Right? Yeah. And, and, and it's like, so Nancy Reagan, just say no, didn't work. But the way it fucks up the way you look at things did, right? Yeah, it did. It had, a, it had an effect. It had an impact. Yeah. It just totally did. I love looking at this also where she's getting chased now. And all of yes. a sudden, he's foaming at the mouth, too. Oh yeah, he flips. He's foaming at the so, mouth. So, uh, I don't know if it's gonna happen quite yet. Oh. I, 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 that pin I said that I, I said to put in it, and I was gonna bring him yeah. up later. Oh, I will well. bring him up later. Still. Oh, and look, what I, what I love about this film got out. He snuck out. The crazy overactor. That's right. That's right. And, and and he has, in my opinion, the best scene in the film. So like, this movie is goofy as fuck. It's it it's it it doesn't really take itself seriously one bit as a zombie film or as a horror film. Uh, and that's kind of the point. Yeah. But then it sort of does. And the overactor has this scene where he realizes like he's going to become these monsters mm-hmm. and sacrifices himself in the, in the crematorium. And that scene is, I think like so fucking strong. This dude's like a terrible overactor. He's goofy through the whole film, but then he like gets you right at the very end and you, and, and and it's probably the most memorable scene in the whole movie. Who's the the uh, the gentleman in the tracksuit who runs the uh, the mortuary there? Who just slapped the guy like get yeah. yourself? They like they <laughs> took like this '30s portion of the movie. You know, as they're trying to interrogate, it's the, the, her spine is like her tail. It just wags back and forth. It's just you know when she's upset. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> little tail wag. Uh, little tail he wag. also runs around with a fucking luger the whole time, a Nazi gun. Yeah. So he's a particularly weird character. And he always has hammer and nails with him. I mean, this he's yeah, it's almost like he has a tool belt, but he has no tool belt. He's wearing a velour tracksuit. <laughs> he's just wearing a velour tracksuit. All monochrome, by the way, he, he's wearing a, a maroon velour tracksuit with maroon suede shoes, and he's wearing a hip holster. <laughs> yeah. And he's oh, he's fuck. um he's done that nineties uh you know two thousands look where you just pull one leg up. That's right, LL Cool J. <laughs> just got to get it done. I want the tracksuit to come back. I mean, I need it to come back strong, though. None of this pussy. I mean, you should, uh, you know, there's there's like Russian neighborhoods in New York where you could really get down. You know, I'll get beat up, too. They'll be like, this guy <laughs> fucking Irish. We can tell. <laughs> yeah. We can, we can tell. This is, it's, it's amazing how, what happened to his eyes all of a sudden? They, the, the jar that he threw in oh, his face was full right. acid. That's right, that's right. So now he's... Do they lose their sense of smell? You know, I just it's. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, no they rules. seem to know where brains are. There's no fucking rules. Where do you um? I don't know if they can smell the brain. You know, well, it's like when tigers go to kill people, right? They've got nerve endings in their teeth, so they can feel right. where your pulse is, and that's where they know to bite to express the most blood. So you've got to wonder. Insane. You know, <laughs> tigers are fucking terrifying. I mean, they can. I was at a. Uh, I was at this walkthrough zoo with my kid. And I, I swear, the zoo person was a fucking asshole. So we're going through the whole zoo. <laughs> uh, we're in this one special area. It smells like shit. 
and I hear this rumble. It rumbles in my chest, and I'm looking around, and I look up, and there's a black panther, a puma, laying on the cage above me, and just happened to like purr in an aggressive way, and it was so loud, and that there was so much bass. Like you felt it in your core. I felt it in my core. So Man. we keep walking around, and all of a sudden we go by, and we've got the lions and the tigers are kind of next to each other. And a tiger can jump, I think, like an 18 or 20-foot wall, like just doop, up and over. Yeah. So they've got the wall that goes up, and then it angles over so the motherfuckers can't get out. That's right. Across the walkway are the gazelles. <laughs> You've got to be these poor fucking gazelles. You just That's be like, insane. They were so nervous. It's just like traumatizing. <laughs> yeah, they're just so fucking nervous. They're just pacing there on the far, far end. You're like, come here, I got a treat for you, little gazelle. Yeah, that's like, right. Fuck you. And the tiger's just like, come on, bitch. Bitch, if I get in that cage, guess what? Feeding frenzy time. I mean, there's yeah. no one's getting out. No one's getting out. Bad news there. bears. <laughs> yeah, bad news bears, man. But they, you know, they've got that 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 instinct. It's that it's that killer instinct that obviously uh, our um, our zombies have as well, man. They've got that. They can sense. They feel your pulse, yeah. your energy. They get after it. I was um I was in Tahoe uh, last year with uh, my wife and some friends, and um I uh, uh, took a really great tab of LSD on a hike that we were taking. We had a whole day of hiking planned. I wasn't driving, and I was like, "Cool, well, I'm just gonna do this and have some fun." Sure. And so um we're you know halfway through our day hiking. And uh, my wife is in front of me. I'm right behind her on a re relatively narrow path. And like out of nowhere, none of us expected it. A black bear appears on the path walking like we're walking this way. It comes out perpendicular in front of us. Oh, no. And and like I'm tripping my ass off. <laughs> so I, the only thing I could do is like keep myself calm and try to like, like not do the wrong thing to to, to like it you know, evoke a, a, an attack by the bear because Steph is the first person between the bear and me and the only yeah. person between the bear and me. So, uh, so the bear's there and it's walking and it's looking at us and we're all like stopped dead and kind of backing up. But like Steph's freaking out because she doesn't know where I am. And she's like, you know, you're going to grab me, you're going to grab me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so like we back up from the bear and the bear just kind of like walks by and he looks at us and he's like, yo be cool and we're like we're cool are, are we cool are you cool and the bear's like i'm cool that was it nothing happened but when you're tripping on acid and you run into a bear it's the fucking worst <laughs> oh dude i couldn't imagine I mean, last i took last time i took acid we uh we went out to eat and so we go to this restaurant can i, can I put a, a a quick interruption yeah. real quick Please, just because this was the scene that i was telling you about where oh, he sacrificed yeah. himself well, the the song playing uh burn the flames is by roki erickson whom was an austin musician that uh was relatively like known in the underground in like the late 70s early 80s but his story is super sad like he wrote these amazing songs and and he his record sold out uh many copies but he, he never got paid a dime for it because he got uh taken advantage of he, he had mental instability issues and uh, he was taken advantage of by the record industry that song though is so great it's also really bad but it's so great that it just fits that Seen perfect, man. I love it. Well, they all anyway. Know, they, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You oh, were talking no, no, about doing LSD. Yeah, so we're doing LSD. So we go to this restaurant uh, and we're, we're hanging out. Dude, I couldn't eat anything because just texture wise, it got yeah. in my mouth and I was like, fucking weird. It's tough. But I can drink a million beers and feel fun, fantastic. However, 
the restaurant was part outside. And this is, I mean, this was back last November, I think. The restaurant's partially outside. Yeah. And I am watching this lady. She brought us out some French fries and the way the smoke came off of it. So no one's eating any food. I've yeah. now ordered dessert. Are you the only one tripping? Or is everybody uh, no, in your group um, tripping? So three of us were tripping. My brother, myself, and my buddy Regan were all tripping. Then my friend, yeah. Reverend Sarah, she's a reverend, didn't know we were on acid, and she came to, to dinner. And then cool. my, buddy's, <laughs> my buddy's girl, she's like, I'm not doing acid with you assholes. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we're hanging out, and the girls are the only ones eating. And they've hardly eaten anything, and I keep ordering food. And the gal goes, I go, hey, is there any dessert? And she's looking at a table just full of food. She's like, yeah, there's dessert. Uh, but we have, uh, we have bread pudding, but it takes 30 minutes. I'm like, great, yeah. we'll get two. She's like, huh? I'm like, yeah, well, then it'll be 15 minutes. Cut the time in half, order in two, not one. She's just like, fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, we're freaking out. We're tripping balls. Cars are going around. And this gal keeps bringing out food. Finally, my friend goes, why do you keep ordering food? I'm like, I like the way the smoke dances off of it. She goes, this thing? I'm like, whatever. It's really cool. She goes, perfect. Give me 20 bucks. Give her 20 bucks. She calls the waitress over. She goes, listen, every 10 minutes, walk these back, nuke them in the microwave, and then walk them out and set them down on the table. He's freaking out. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fucking wonderful. Oh, dude, we had so much fun. So much fun. I was having yeah. a blast. But I mean, I've, the smoke, I could totally get you on that. I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I could, I could just watch that steam forever. Yeah, you're just like, and it goes away so quickly. You're like, where'd you go, buddy? Come on. Oh, that head's gone. So the, one of the best lines is right before that, like, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to knock his block off. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a line you don't hear a lot. And that's right. Why, why, why is their getaway getting closer to places that you can't get out of? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've got no better move. The The scene right before this was when the boyfriend was trying to get the girlfriend who's in the attic. Yeah. Uh, the there's it, this whole thing where he's like, Tina, I love you, darling. And I want to eat your brains. And it's like this uh, um, audio clip that the Quincy punks used on this uh, song called Tina that they released back in like the early nineties. Mm-hmm. And it's just like raw punk rock is like, Tina, if you really love me, you let me eat your brains. And no. it's all about this movie. And it's specifically about T- about Tina's boyfriend wanting to kill her. And if she really loved him, she'd let him. And it's like, the best i don't know it's just like i've got all these different weird cultural references to this film that have just like made its way through my life that you know it's it why shows, it's one it, of shows, my it shows the love of the film man it really does where if the zombie apocalypse ha- happens a where do you want to be and b are you trying to fight and live through it or are you having one last good party in the in the mountains yeah man uh you know uh, not surprisingly i've thought a lot about this <laughs> <laughs> I've read uh, uh, the Zombie Survival Guide by Max Brooks and World War Z. Um, I would take the uh, get the fuck out into the wilderness approach. Probably, you know, the Canadian woods or Alaska or maybe Rocky Mountains, but like, you know, just somewhere really as far away from society as possible. Grow some weed, grow some vegetables, you know, have a protocol. 
Uh, if we see a, a zombie approaching, try to take it out silently so we don't bring more, you know, like just try to really get away from shit. I, I'm not uh, a fighter. I like, I'm a good shot with the gun and stuff. And I'd probably be good at that kind of stuff if I needed to be. And in a pinch, I'm fast and I'm scrappy, but like, I'm not trying to stick around and have a war to fight it out. And then like, you know, it's even worse than the zombies is like what happens to society, like the tribalism that will occur and having to fight against humans, which right now I'd have a very low opinion of. So, <laughs> you know. Right, but I mean, is, that's, isn't that how, I mean, that's really how, you know, the walking dead failed is people realized that we were the pieces of shit. And they're like, yep. I don't like this show anymore. It's like, yeah, this makes me feel bad. <laughs> I can't believe that they're just putting me down for wanting to kill someone because I want to eat first. I'm like, well, fuck face. Yeah. You're the problem. You know and, I mean? and really, that's the that's the brilliance of the zombie uh, genre is its ability to invoke political and social commentary through an absolutely insane premise. You know, yeah. and Night of the Living Dead was really uh, good at that. You see the guy hiding behind the is that a mirror? No, that's her in the mirror. Oh, Never mind. I thought that. Yeah, it is. I thought that was somebody adding behind the, it looks like the couch, like recording with a boom mic or something. Yeah, but it's also it's like, um, why would you put the mirror there? They're old people. You don't want to come on. Right. So, like, you know, the, the ability to use this premise to like make these great social commentaries, like Dawn of the Dead, talking about consumerism, and yeah. uh, and to a certain extent, I think like that that theme is present in all zombie content. I mean, when we started this uh, podcast, we were watching this movie. You brought up the analogy to capitalism taking over cannabis, right? Yeah. As like this sort of, you know, horde of zombies uh, kind of scenario. It's almost like it writes itself in that regard, right? It's such a perfect comparison. It's a great foil to show the problems of humanity and society against and to show the ills of our society and 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 really where, where we don't actually work well together as humans. Um, you know, the I just think that almost any zombie movie, if done right, can be compelling for that reason alone. Oh, I mean, I think I think everyone, every one of them, the first thing it highlights in some capacity is is that there's our hearts and our wallets are not aligned, right? Yep. There's not, you know, no one wants to just give. You got to give with stipulations. Uh, I'm mad. I gave that homeless person five dollars, and he or she bought cigarettes. Well, hold on. Yeah. Then did you give him money? Or did you set? Did you, or did you hand them an expectation that you knew they might That's fail right. at? You know, which which right. one did you really do? You know, yep. and and I think zombie movies highlight that to to a T to all of us that we we lose every time is you know that not just the consumerism but we're naturally we can naturally be very very selfish people and it takes right. a lot of work to to want to give back without judgment without keeping a score without trying to understand and. You know, the, the small groups that stay together, they, they find those concessions in some way, right? Yeah. You know, everyone who fails in a horror movie, there's a breaking of their moral compass in some capacity. You know, right. it could be the, the social commentary, right? Of That girl got naked too fast, so obviously she's going to fucking die. That's right. The old that, Reaganism of uh, early yeah. horror. <laughs> that's right. You know, it's just it's, that that's the thing. Or is it also, you know, that the person in the group who doesn't compromise and it looks like they've gotten away with it, but in the end, they die the worst death. You know, it's- That's right. It's crazy. You can sit, we could sit and talk about this on every zombie movie, make absolute complete sense. Yeah. And yet, and people will agree with you. But then you can also send that same person a text and go, hey, I just saw on the news, we're gonna run out a bottle of water by tomorrow. 
Um, and then there's a pause. You're like, where'd you go? Oh, he's in the car yeah. driving away to buy all the bottled water he can, or she is. Yep. It's, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's like um, we we're we're at a point where like our our culture is more open to social entrepreneurism, uh, social good within our consumer purchase behavior than we've ever been. And in a regard, that's a, that's a pretty exciting thing. But I do think that like, when it actually comes down to being a good human, it requires a lot of effort and practice. And effort and practice in that regard is an exercise in humility it's an exercise in um, in challenging yourself and accepting the parts of yourself that are not the, the good parts of yourself. Yeah. You know, um, it's so much easier to just ignore that, to get your head buried in work or family or, you know, go from one soccer practice to the next and just like, you know, tune your brain into existing <laughs> and not confronting the things about you that really need to be confronted. Um. But the people who are aligned with um, helping one another are the ones who have used empathy in their own lives, the ones that have evaluated some of those parts of themselves, uh, maybe not perfectly because yeah. it's always a practice, um, but it requires a constant effort. You know, you, you have to keep doing it. If you're going to believe in something, it means you have to stand up for it. You have to like actually actively engage in what it is that you believe in and what you want to do. And um, is, it, is it that we really want to care about each other? Do we really care about community and humanity or do we really care about like how our egos are perceived you know do we want to buy things so that we can show social status because ultimately what we care about is self-reflective you know what i mean and um and i think that our society we 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 kind of pulls that out though right isn't it the beauty of cannabis isn't it the beauty of mushrooms the beauty beauty of of all psychedelics exactly and cannabis in this regard is a psychedelic in my opinion um It, they are um, they are compounds that force our brains to to pay attention to things that we normally mute, right? It changes the way your brain is active, and and all the thoughts that you're hiding away. By the way, nobody's actually hiding shit. When we suppress trauma or pain or hurt or we uh, project or we do any of these things that are negative emotional, you know, um, behaviors. What we're doing is it, it, it is creating a thing in our brain that doesn't just go away. You don't like just suppress that. You know, it's always going to be there, whether you want to confront it or not. Um, it just gets worse and worse over time. It festers like an infection. When you use cannabis or psychedelics, the idea is that those things are going to be brought up to the forefront. Yeah. Some people get paranoid when they smoke weed. I think the reason they get paranoid is because they've got a lot of issues that are like popping up that are freaking them out. You know what I mean? And uh, and you can't use things like LSD or mushrooms and not confront some shit about yourself. So I think that does increase your empathy because it, it increases yourself, it increases your introspection. It allows you to work out some real problems. I heard it best put that your brain is like a snowy hill that a lot of people been sledding on right and every time you have a thought or behavior that repeats itself it's another sled going down the same rut and making that rut deeper 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 and more profound and cut into the path right um and so our brain is like all of these things that we do and that that happen every time we project or every time that we hurt another person you know we're 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 running a sled down that path and psychedelics sort of re-snow the hill it's like fresh snow hitting those paths and filling them back up again right 
but you have to deal with it. And I, and that's why I think like, you know, I have a little bit more hope for what we can see in the cannabis industry than in a lot of other consumer industries, because to a certain extent, it is both a medicine and a recreational uh, compound. There is an argument to say that if you use any cannabis, you're using it medicinally. And this is partly why. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, cannabis makes you self-aware, not selfish, right? And there's, you know, uh, other drugs and alcohol makes you selfish. It makes you do selfish things. Sometimes those things can be funny and you can laugh about them, but, you know. And a hell of a time. (laughs) But you can also have a hell of a time being self-aware, to your point, right? I think that people... uh, don't take that mental health aspect serious as far as what they're holding on to, what memory, what grudges, what things you're holding on to. And you're confronted with some of that because you have to be, because that's that weird alien plant that when you take it, you feel it going, hey, we're going to go down this journey because I want to help you. You know, no, one, yeah. no one's ever took a sip of Budweiser and, and that Budweiser's talked to him and said, hey, I'm here to help. <laughs> that's right? right. It goes, hey, I'm here for you to forget. If just for a yeah. moment, right? If just for a moment, or I'm going to make you a little more vulnerable because you're nervous. Or I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, it's a manipulation. It's a selfishness. It's a protection yeah. and a manipulation. And then there's this self-awareness that just comes in, you know. And whether you know, it's funny. I mean, this movie ends with a with an atomic bomb going off, and then they realize, oh wait, they've created more smoke, and then there's That's right. more room, and now we got more problems, you know. And that is, I think, the way that in a society that's predominantly driven by alcohol, that's, you know, and I'm not knocking it. I love beer. I mean, I bring totally. beer people in all the time, but the abuse of it, the aggressiveness of it, right. The, you're you're yeah. seeing that part, that's the nuclear bomb and then it rains and it keeps, it repeats the cycle, you know, and it's, yep. it's refreshing and it's great when you're in an environment where, uh, where you don't have that. Right. But instead you've got this thing and it's, wants to take you on this journey to make you better to make you more insightful to make you more caring i mean you know parents i'm more concerned about moms that are on you know xanax and a glass of wine than any mom that's like i'm gonna have a joint i'd be like you're gonna be sounds weird to say you're gonna be a better mom than the one having wine and xanax just are a hundred percent. And, you know, I'll even make it more extreme just to, to draw the comparison as to how much better cannabis is in this regard is that I think a mom smoking a joint while driving the minivan to soccer practice with the kids in the van is probably still going to do a better job than the mom hopped up on Xanax and drinking wine. And it's, and you know, I only bring up an extreme example just to point out that like presence matters and, um, and you know, what we think is healthy versus unhealthy is based on a lot of nonsense that doesn't actually have much of a grip on reality. Um, not to say that a kid should be sitting in a car with, uh, someone smoking a joint, but what I am saying is that when you normalize the abuse of alcohol as a constant within a life in front of a child at any point in time, that child is way more apt to grow up using that substance thinking it's normal, Mm -hmm. right? That's just general life. That's how it works, right? Alcohol abuse, we know, can take so many different forms. It can uh, end lives through drunk driving. It can uh, turn into alcoholism. It can become cirrhosis of the liver. And yet, 
parents don't stop and think about the fact that when they drink wine every at the end of every day, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. and, and they normalize that behavior in front of their children. What they're doing is they're normalizing years and years and years down the road worth of use of a thing, right? And so when we compare, when I draw this crazy comparison to, you know, imagine a mom smoking a joint in front of her kids while driving. What I am uh, saying is that the prolonged effect of seeing someone engage in that behavior next to the prolonged effect of seeing their parents engage in prescription pills and alcohol will still be better in the end uh, on the cannabis side. And oh, I think yeah. that is, bec is because the plant is a, di we're, it's not anything like what we're talking about. Like it, all the comparisons I make and everyone else makes the alcohol industry, there's literally nothing alike. Even though the hop plant and the cannabis plant come from the same genus or whatever, the same species, mm -hmm. uh, uh, beer and cannabis cannot be compared to one another. No, they can't. They shouldn't. I mean, yeah. outside, here's where the comparison comes in. When someone, when, when someone goes, hey, I'm looking, to have, I'm looking to have some fun. Someone goes, hey, would you like an edible or a joint or would you like a beer? That's, that's, that, that's right. It. That's their comparison flat ground. All right, there you go. That's and, it. And then, yeah. And then, and then it's a hard left turn by one. Because <laughs> That's they're right. Completely fucking different. Yeah. And and, I, and I'm with you. I mean, I was raised in a you know by an alcoholic. Uh, and it's it's amazing when I see you know my brother and sister around him, and you know, personality goes a long way, and the other people that you surround your life with, and you know, and then you think about when you surround your life with those people. You know, what 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 surrounds you? What binds you? And the five guys that smoke weed together are bound at a different level. Yeah. They just are. It's, I mean, right. self-aware, selfish. It really is just that, you know, you will find groups of men and women who have been friends for 10 years because they drank together and then someone did something wrong. They didn't want to talk about it. That's right. And they're no longer friends. They don't talk. Yeah. I mean, call me hippie I, dippy, but it's dude, you don't see that in the cannabis world like that. You just don't. They might agree find more and my, my life reflects that too. You know, you, you might find that you disagree with someone fundamentally and just decide not to talk about things or you go your separate ways, but that's just being an adult. That's right. You know, you don't find lack of inclusion or lack of, uh, of transparency or ownership or, you know, idealism, if you will. It's, it's fascinating. It really is. I've never seen friends and family member get into shouting matches or fight, fist fights while consuming cannabis, but I've seen yeah. it on alcohol all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's true. Uh, there, there's there's a lot to be said there, right? Um, there's a reason why the old uh, you know, do you smoke weed paraphrase used to be, "Are you cool? You cool? Yeah. You cool?" Right. It's true. It's because true. it's you're you're meeting on a different you're on a different level then, right? Are we cool? Because if we're cool, let's go smoke some weed together, right? Yeah. Nobody ever asks somebody if you want to go get a beer. Like, you cool? Let's go get yeah, a beer. Usually it's after ten, and you're like, "Hey man, are you cool? Like what?" Yeah, like, are you gonna lose your shit? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? You're you're starting to act like a zombie. You're freaking me out, man. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, I, I mean, I I I say a lot of this. It sounds pretty judgmental when I reflect upon it, and um, you know, what I'm saying is true. But at the same time, like, I still choose to consume what I choose to consume when I choose to consume it. Sure. Um, you know, I I regulate and moderate what I do personally. I have absolutely no. Um, problems whatsoever with people who want to consume whatever it is they want to consume. I think all, uh, all, all of these things should be legal. We should have the uh, freedom as humans on this planet Earth to do what we want to do to our own bodies as long as we're not hurting anyone else. 
And uh, in that regard, I think if someone wants to use heroin, you know, like they should have that ability to do that freely as they wish. Um, and uh, and I, so, you know, as much as I might say alcohol is all these things, it's only because, you know, I choose to use alcohol still knowing full well that every drink is going to damage my brain cells when cannabis mm -hmm. won't, even though I've been told it has my whole life. I still choose to use it, right? Because like, yeah. I know what the risks are. I know what I'm getting into. I'm an adult. I'm a, a whole ass person that can make whole ass decisions for <laughs> myself, right? You know, so uh, if somebody wants to uh, drink more power to them, I just hope that they do it knowing full well what they're getting into, which is the same thing that, you know, I think we should all know about cannabis and about any of these things. Education only helps us not knowing only causes us to, to cause ourselves harm. You know, that the, the abuse of drugs is more based on the opposition to their legality uh, than it is proportional to people's desires to overdose. Well, know? I think and it's you also, can see that in Portugal. I mean, you also just do, you, you find that you're lied to, mm -hmm. you know, and the problem is, is that you lie about weed, you don't lie about angel dust, right? And then they're like, well, if you like, <laughs> right. but you already got caught lying. So then someone's like, if you that's right. Lied about, you probably lied about the goddamn angel dust. That's right, and probably the crack too. And probably the crack too, and it just it, it breaks it breaks the whole system. And you know the the truth and transparency and the understanding of of yourself and one of the self reflection, the understanding of of why you're making the choice to do it. You know, I mean, it's all of those things that 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 inner dialogue that turns into more of an outer dialogue because everyone around you has those same thoughts and they're, you know, a little more self-aware and how they are and how, you know, it, it is a ripple effect. You will find happiness in, in areas where maybe there should be more stress. You know, it's, it's not, yeah. it's not far flung to think it's, it's just too bad that um, not only our hearts and wallets not aligned, right. But our, our power and wallets aren't, aren't, aren't aligned in, in right. a lot of ways because it's, you know, what do you want? Do you want to be rich or powerful? And everyone's like, oh, I want to be powerful because then you own the rich. And, yeah. you know, that game is being played in the most ridiculous way, whether it's with cannabis or, or psychedelics or anything, right? It's just being, it gets played in the most ridiculous ways. And, you know, like you said, folks, go watch some more zombie movies, man. You're going to mm. find this same kind of theme and it's not a conspiracy theorist reach. It is, it is a, an articulate way to challenge us to probably not just act like we're going to be better, but actually be better, you know, uh, That's right. be, be more kind, do different things, you know, reach out in some way. That's, it's not always just writing a check, you know, sometimes it's helping someone with their groceries. It's, the, it's whatever little thing it is, you know, don't get uh, caught up in the, in the financial aspects, get caught up in the giving and vulnerability aspects and you'll do fucking hell of a lot better just will i can uh I, I can wrap up that thought with a pretty good parable about my experience in quarantine uh when the pandemic started i got laid off almost immediately and so i find myself in palo alto one of the most expensive places to live on the planet um and i have no job and there's a global crisis occurring in front of me which means no potential jobs to show up anytime soon right and uh my rent is extraordinary our cost of living is extraordinary um i don't know what's going to happen i'm freaking out right i think everything is going uh to go away i think that you know all that we have uh, that we have acquired as a couple is going to be taken 
from us, right? We're going to lose it all, right? Like all these thoughts, you see, I'm hitting, we're going to hit rock bottom, right? Like really quick because it costs so much to live here. And, you know, despite like us having a little bit saved up and, and being fortunate in that regard and uh, being able to take on a few contracts and unemployment and so on and so forth and getting rent relief, like we were able to make it work for a bit. But what I couldn't do was make my brain stop freaking out about the thought that I was going to hit rock bottom and that we were going to end up having to moving back to Texas into my parents' house while my wife is pregnant. That to me was hitting rock bottom. Mm-hmm. That was the worst case scenario is we'd have to move back to Texas, a place I, I literally uh, hate with all my heart as a state, even though I lived in Austin and I love it. And, you know, there's a lot of places, uh, a lot of things I like about uh, Texas living there to me is like going back to the seventh layer of hell. So not moving back there, but that to me seems like rock bottom. So I get involved with a local organization uh, called the Hood Squad here in East Palo Alto. They're like a street organization that uh, was leading a bunch of protests right after the uh, murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And um, that's what I started to put my time into because I was, you know, furious and angry. And I felt like I didn't, I had all this time, but I didn't know what to do with it. Um, That organization also has a breakfast program where they were feeding the hungry. And uh, they have a farm in the backyard of their little house here in uh, East Palo Alto, and they have their own chickens. And they would be making every single week uh, omelets and go driving out to Oakland to the homeless encampments and handing out food and, and masks and hand sanitizer and water to hungry people. Um, people that won't go to food shelters. They're they like, if you haven't been in the Bay Area, listeners, uh, we have these uh, areas of homeless encampments where it, it's like literally its own, its own almost governed area of the city. Uh, they create these amazing shelters with uh, found materials. It's, it's, it's something else like you'd never imagine, but it's a place that you would never go into voluntarily. And uh, this organization's out there feeding these people, like handing it to them in their encampments. And so uh, I started joining them with this program because I knew that it was important to feed people. Uh, If you wanna fight for racial justice, if you wanna fight for equality, if you wanna fight for caring for people, you can't let them be hungry, bottom line, right? That's the number one most important and most impactful thing you can do for somebody who's in need is help them eat. And so uh, I joined them on this food program. I was in those encampments every single week, still am uh, uh, out there and feeding people and getting to see what a real rock bottom is like you know what i mean like to really set the level for what it is i quote unquote might lose in my life what i've attained in my life what it means to be what it what i have um and here i am every week literally in the the space with people who have their own belongings in a shopping cart or a tent um you know who who survive week to week on the streets with no resources making it work um and and that level set was so important that I think more people need to really truly think about the value of even just spending a little bit of time one day a month. I do it one day a week. Uh, some people do it even more. Uh, just going out and feeding people, whether you go to a food shelter or to you know a kitchen or you find a local organization that's out there actually you know handing out meals to people, you will connect to humanity in a way that you have absolutely no access to anywhere else. You will go to places that you normally thought were scary and looked freaky and looked despondent and hopeless, and you will see a whole lot of love there. Nothing but love almost, you know, and, and heartbreaking things. There's addiction and there's, you know, um, there, there's, there's broken families and broken people. There's mental health issues, but every one of them is full of love and they respond to love. And that's what I think has been the most impactful thing that I've been able to do during this pandemic to like connect to what 
this is that we're talking about. Um, just go out and feed people um, and, and help out an organization that's doing that in any way you can, however little it might be. Even going out once will make a huge impact. Like it changed the way I think about these things forever. You know what I mean? Uh, even though it was just like a recent thing, I know this is going to last forever. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing when you, you get your hands a little dirty. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. When you go meet people, when you shake the hand, to your point, when you're getting out and you're seeing them, you're not driving by them. You're not averting your eyes at the stoplight or the stop sign. You're talking to them. You're seeing them. You know, it's a, it's, it's a very, it's a very impactful one. I applaud you for, for, uh, for what you do there. And I'm with you, man. I encourage you folks, go do it, figure it out, have a way, do it with your community where, you know, like we do in ours, we'll make, sandwich bags and we'll go to these areas where we know they're at and yeah food drop them off some healthy food some some non-processed food to uh di- to uh you know uh have them feel a little bit of a comfort that's right you know? if they know someone's looking out for them even in that little bit that gives them such hope that you can't quantify yeah. um and it's you can't a lot of people think that you know giving money to the homeless is what they're is the same thing you can't pay the convenience tax of getting them out of your face no. Right now you need to go to them. It, it, it's a big thing. And the only reason I bring it up, like I, I, I'm, I'm a little self-conscious about uh, talking about this to a certain extent, because I'm not trying to be self-aggrandizing and like, look at me, I'm such a good person. Look at all the shit I do. But I do bring it up because I know that the reason I'm doing it was because someone that I know that I was friends with was doing a lot of this work and talking about it all the time. And I wasn't ever like, Ugh, quit fucking talking about it. Like, yes, you're the greatest person <laughs> in the world. We get it. Um, what I was thinking all, the whole time was, man, I should do that too. Or I should like find a time that, that I can join her. And, you know, it just happened enough times that eventually it clicked over in my brain and I started doing it. And um, because I've been posting a lot about it in my Instagram and talking about it here, um, I already have found out that a few friends of mine in other places have seen these things and then they have started giving back too. So, I think it's important even when we do give back to talk about it, not because we want to be praising of ourselves, but really because we know that setting a good example sometimes is all it takes for someone to finally get it and go, yeah. okay, you're right. I've heard this now a thousand times. 10 of my really close friends are doing it. I need to do it too. And it works. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I encourage people to share those stories and, and those insights and those memories because it will inspire someone to do it uh, no matter where they might be. And, and that's, and that's great folks. The, the, the movie is over, Brad do yes, obviously miss you in Austin, but I'm, I'm happy for you and, and all the, all the things you're doing and, and have done uh, for people that are out there. How can they get in touch with you? Uh, how can they find you on the, the information superhighway? Yeah, uh, Twitter is the best uh, place to grab me. And my uh, Twitter handle is at Force Ghost Brad. Like, you know, like the Jedi's when they get killed, come a Force Ghost. Uh, That's a deep cut nerd joke, but I I host a nerd podcast called The Nerd AF Show. So if you want to hear some cool nerd topics about uh, social justice issues and comic books and video games, you can uh, check out Nerd AF Show. Nerd AF Show, uh, iTunes, uh, all 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 the spots. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Lately, we've been uh, doing um, actual video broadcasts uh, on uh, Facebook and Twitch and YouTube. Sweet. Very cool. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations on that as well. My friend, thank you very much thank you for the time. Uh, I like to close with this and let people, you know, people hear this a lot, but it's it, sh- it should be said every day. I think uh, go buy a banana. It'll go bad. 
Go buy an avocado on that pretentious little asshole. You'll never know. But when you open it up, it's going to be bad. But you get to go buy another one, right? You can. You can go get a different one. And uh, time is the one thing that when we spend, we don't get it back ever. There's nothing we can do to get it back. So uh, the kindness and generosity from you to, to, to take time out of your day and away from what you do to spend it talking with me uh, means a lot. So thank you very much. I, I, I really appreciate, appreciate it, man. Yeah, this was great. Good time. I uh, enjoyed this podcast. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You're welcome anytime, man. We'll have some more fun, okay? Rock and roll. Rock and roll, brother. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. Sounds good. Bye-bye.